Good morning, and welcome to Morning Prayer at St. Paul's Lutheran Church in Edison, New Jersey. Today is Tuesday. This is the 23rd week after Pentecost. This week we are continuing our reading from uh, the book of 1 Samuel, learning about the early days of Israel's monarchy. And as we read, we wonder how God might be at work uh, in and among God's people today, uh, as we also uh, are going through a time of uh, dramatic changes and transitions uh, in the life of God's people. I wonder, what new thing is God forming among us today? What is it that you see and hear? And how do these readings help us learn uh, what to look for and how God is at work? And now we begin our time of prayer in silence. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. O Lord, open my lips and my mouth shall proclaim your praise. Glory to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. Give glory to God, our light and our life. O come, let us worship and praise. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Let us come before God's presence with thanksgiving, and raise a loud shout to the Lord with psalms. For you, Lord, are a great God and a great ruler above all gods. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. In your hand are the caverns of the earth. The heights of the hills are also yours. The sea is yours, for you made it, and your hands have molded the dry land. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord, our Maker. For the Lord is our God, and we are the people of God's pasture and the sheep of God's hand. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Give glory to God, our light and our life. O come, let us worship and praise. You have been born anew through the abiding word of God. A reading from 1 Samuel chapter 14. One day Jonathan, son of Saul, said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the Philistine garrison on the other side. But he did not tell his father. Saul was staying in the outskirts of Gibeah, under the pomegranate tree that is, uh, that is at uh, Migron, and the troops that were with him were about 600 men along with Ahijah, the son of Ahitub, Ichabod's brother, son of Phinehas, son of Eli, the priest of the Lord in Shiloh, carrying an ephod. Now the people did not know that Jonathan had gone. In the pass by which Jonathan tried to go over to the Philistine garrison, there was a rocky crag on one side and a rocky crag on the other. The name of the one is Bozes, and the other one is Shene. Uh, one crag rose on the north in front of Michmash, and the other on the south in front of Geba. Jonathan said to the young man who carried his armor, Come, let us go over to the garrison of these uncircumcised. It may be that the Lord will act for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. His armor bearer said to him, Do all that your mind inclines to. I am with you, as your mind is, so is mine. So Jonathan said, Now we will cross over to those men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we will stand still in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we will go up, for the Lord has given them into our hand. That will be the sign for us. 
So both of them showed themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, and the Philistines said, Look, Hebrews are coming out of the holes where they have hidden themselves. The men in the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor-bearer, saying, Come up to us, and we will show you something. Jonathan said to the armor-bearer, Come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. Then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and his feet, with his armor-bearer following after him. The Philistines fell before Jonathan and his armor-bearer, coming after him, killed them. And in the first slaughter, Jonathan and his armor-bearer killed about twenty men within an area of about half a furrow long in an acre of land. There was panic in the camp, in the field, and among the people. The garrison and even the raiders trembled, the earth quaked, and it became a very great panic. Saul's lookouts in Gebeah of Benjamin were watching as the multitude was surging back and forth. Then Saul said to the troops that were with him, Call the roll and see who has gone from us. When they had called the roll, Jonathan and his armor-bearer were not there. Saul said to Ahijah, Bring the ark of God here. For at that time the ark of God went with the Israelites. While Saul was talking to the priest, the tumult in the camp of the Philistines increased more and more. And Saul said to the priest, Withdraw your hand. Then Saul and all the people were there with him, rallied, and went into battle. And every sword was against the other, so that there was a very great confusion. Now the Hebrews, who had previously been with the Philistines and had gone up with them into the camp, turned and joined the Israelites, who were with Saul and Jonathan. Likewise, when all the Israelites, who had gone into hiding in the hill country of Ephraim, heard that the Philistines were fleeing, they too followed closely after them in the battle. So the Lord gave Israel the victory that day. The battle passed beyond beth Aven, and the troops with Saul numbered altogether about 10,000 men. The battle spread out over the hill country of Ephraim. Now, Saul committed a very rash act on that day. He had laid an oath on the troops, saying, Cursed be anyone who eats food before it is evening, and I have avenged on my enemies. So none of the troops tasted food. All the troops came upon a honeycomb, and there was honey on the ground. And the troops came upon the honeycomb. The honey was dripping, but they did not put their hands to their mouths, for they feared the oath. But Jonathan had not heard his father charge the troops with his oath, so he extended the staff that was in his hand and dipped the tip of it in the honeycomb and put his hands to his mouth, and his eyes brightened. Then one of the soldiers said, Your father strictly charged the troops with an oath, saying, Cursed be anyone who eats food on this day. And so the troops are faint. Jonathan said, My father has troubled the land. See how my eyes have brightened because I tasted a little of this honey. How much better if today the troops had eaten freely of the spoil taken from the enemies. For now the slaughter among the Philistines has not been great. After they had struck down the Philistines that day from Michmash to Aijalon, the troops were very faint. So the troops flew upon the spoil, and they took sheep and oxen and calf and slaughtered them on the ground, and the troops ate them with the blood. Then it was reported to Saul, Look, the troops are sinning against the Lord by eating with the blood. And he said, You have dealt treacherously. Roll a large stone before the men here. Saul said, Disperse yourself among the troops and say to them, Let all bring their oxen or their sheep and slaughter them here and eat, and do not sin against the Lord by eating with the blood. So all the troops brought their oxen with them that night and slaughtered them there. And Saul built an altar to the Lord. It was the first altar that he built to the Lord. 
Then Saul said, Let us go down after the Philistines by night and despoil them until the morning light. Let us not leave one of them. They said, Do whatever seems good to you. But the priest said, Let us draw near to God here. So Saul inquired of God, Shall I go down after the Philistines? Will you give them into the hand of Israel? But he did not answer him that day. Saul said, Come here, all you leaders of the people, and let us find out this sin that has arisen today. For the Lord lives who saves for as the Lord lives who saves Israel, <clears throat> even if it is my son Jonathan, he shall surely die. But there was no one among the people who answered him. He said to all Israel, You shall be on one side, and I and my son Jonathan will be on the other side. The people said to Saul, Do what seems good to you. Then Saul says, O Lord God of Israel, why have you not answered your servant today? If this guilt is on me or in my son Jonathan, O Lord God of Israel, give us Urim. But if the guilt is on your people Israel, give them Thummim. And Jonathan and Saul were indicated by lot, but the people were cleared. Then Saul said, Cast the lot between me and my son Jonathan. And Jonathan was taken. <clears throat> then Saul said to Jonathan, Tell me what you have done. Jonathan told him, I tasted a little honey with the tip of a staff that was in my hand. Here I am. I will die. Saul said, God do so to me and more also. You shall surely die, Jonathan. Then the people said to Saul, Shall Jonathan die, who has accomplished this great victory in Israel? Far from it. As the Lord lives, not one hair of his head shall fall to the ground, for he has worked with God today. So the people ransomed Jonathan, and he did not die. Then Saul withdrew from pursuing the Philistines, and the Philistines went to their own place. When Saul had taken the kingship over Israel, he fought against all his enemies on every side against Moab, against the Ammonites, against Edom, against the king of Zobah, against the Philistines. Wherever he turned, he routed them. He did valiantly, and he struck down the Amalekites, and he rescued Israel out of the hands of those who plundered them. Now the sons of Saul are Jonathan, Ishvi, and Malkiushia, and the names of his two daughters were these. The names of the firstborn were Merab, and the name of the younger, Michael. And the name of Saul's wife was Ahinoam, daughter of Ahimaaz, and the name of the commander of his army was Abner, son of Ner, Saul's uncle. Kish was the father of Saul, and Ner, the father of Abner, was the son of Abiel. There was hard fighting against the Philistine all the days of Saul, and when Saul saw any strong or valiant warrior, he took him into his service. The word of the Lord. Have you ever found yourself in the position where it seemed like everything you did was wrong? That every decision that you made turned out to be the wrong decision and made at the wrong time. Sometimes leaders find themselves caught up in things that are simply beyond their control and try as they might to set things right. Everything just continues to go wrong. Even though it seems that things work out in the end, the way they got there was all confused. Most of this chapter tells the story of Israel's victory over the Philistines, but even in this great victory, Saul turns out to be a loser. His sons Jonathan takes the initiative of faith, and through him the Lord stirs up confusion in the Philistine camp, a confusion that signals Saul and the Israelites to attack, a confusion that emboldens the cowering citizens hiding in caves to come out and fight, inspires the non-Israelite Hebrews who are originally fighting with the Philistines to change their allegiance. Jonathan trusts that the Lord can rout an enemy 
with a large force or with a small force, or just by stirring up confusion with two at the beginning. And though he doesn't presume that God will simply do what he wants, Jonathan steps out assured that God will lead him according to God's goodwill. Saul, on the other hand, seems paralyzed with questions and doubts. And when it finally appears that the Lord has acted for Israel, he has the soldiers in a fast in the midst of the battle, zapping their energy and their strength and leading them to a violation of Torah's dietary restrictions, and then binding them to put his own son in the day's hero to death. Scholars point out that there is no denying Saul's piety. He truly is and sincerely is a servant and a, a true and faithful believer. But he ritually seeks the Lord's will before entering battle. He makes a solemn vow so that all who will press the victory and drive the Philistines out. He sets up an altar so that his hungry soldiers are not guilty of eating the lifeblood of animals they slaughter. And true to his word and his vow, he stands ready even to kill his own son, who innocently eats honey contrary to the solemn vow his father invoked. But for Saul, even when you're right, you're wrong. The leaders of the people refuse to let Saul harm Jonathan. Saul doesn't press the point. He acquiesces. We are witnesses now to the start of Saul's decline. And we cannot but feel for him, especially now that we know that God has already chosen his successor. So even when Israel wins, even when we hear the the long list of Saul's great victories, Saul loses. It hardly seems fair. It seems like the kind of thing that could make you lose your mind if you were Saul. From time to time in Scripture, we are faced with a puzzle. The main telling of the story of Scripture flows through certain people, but not through others. It goes through Isaac instead of Ishmael, Jacob instead of Esau, Samuel now takes it up, but not Eli and his sons. Now we see that the mainstream of the story now will not flow through Saul or his family, but to the one who will take his place and become, simply by God's grace, the king par excellence. We know that the story of the great heroes of Scripture, but what about those who turn out to be less than heroic? What about those who find themselves in impossible positions where failure seems to be the only option? If we listen carefully, though, I think we can still find a place for all within the grace and mercy of God even those who aren't chosen to be heroes. To be removed from the office of king is a markedly different thing than being erased from the family or the story altogether. And God is a God who redeems even our failures so that they can bear witness and become part of the story of God's great and glorious salvation of the world. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Blessed are you, Lord, the God of Israel. You have come to your people and set them free. You have raised up for us a mighty Savior, born of the house of your servant David. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. Through your holy prophets, you promised of old to save us from our enemies, from the hands of all who hate us to show mercy to our forebears, and to remember your holy covenant. This was the oath you swore to our father Abraham, to set us free from the hands of our enemies, free to worship you without fear, holy and righteous before you, all the days of our life. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, 
And you, child, shall be called the prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare the way, to give God's people knowledge of salvation by the forgiveness of their sins. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us, to shine on those who dwell in darkness and the shadow of death, and to guide our feet into the way of peace. In the tender compassion of our God, the dawn from on high shall break upon us. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Almighty God of mercy, we thank you for the resurrection dawn bringing the glory of our risen Lord who makes every day new. Especially we thank you for the sustaining goodness of your creation, for the new creation in Christ, and for all gifts of healing and forgiveness, for the communion of faith in your church, and for the gift of relationship with others. Merciful God of might, renew this weary world, heal the hurts of all of your children, and bring about your peace for all in Christ Jesus, the living Lord. Especially we pray for the Church of Jesus Christ in every land, and especially for this congregation. We pray for those who govern the nations of the world, for people in countries ravaged by strife or warfare, for all who work for peace and international harmony, and for all who strive to save the earth from carelessness and destruction. For what else are we truly thankful? And for who else do we truly pray? Almighty and everlasting God, you have brought us in safety to this new day. Preserve us with your mighty power that we may not fall into sin, nor be overcome in adversity. In all we do, direct us to the fulfilling of your purpose, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. Almighty God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, bless you now and forever. Amen. Go forth into the world to serve God with gladness. Be of good courage, hold fast to that which is good. Render to no one evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted, support the weak, help the afflicted, honor all people, love and serve God, trusting in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen.